one. All American Gunslingers presents Ubaldi Reports. Hey, everybody. It's John at Ubaldi Reports. The one podcast provides fact, not fiction, on issues facing America, whether globally or domestically. And always I got two of my best co-hosts is Joe Bitts, a retired combat Marine from Iraq who was wounded and is fine. And then we have Ray Krause, a veteran from the Marine Corps. Myself did 30 years in the Marine Corps with three combat tours to Iraq and Afghanistan. But before we get started, if anybody wants to stay on afterwards to go live, we will stay on past once we end our podcast so we can take more further questions and have other further discussions. John, how can I go get a hold of you as well? Oh, you can get a hold of us by going to all our social media platforms like Instagram, definitely TikTok, Facebook, um, Twitter, and you can check, you can email me directly by going to ubaldireports at gmail.com. And as always, we try to just provide fact, not fiction. We don't just base it off opinion. We base it off our experience, whether we did our military experience, our educational experience, since I have a master's degree and I published in various military journals. But we also reference different government documents, different government sources. To, so it's not just us saying something, we, bake it, we back it up by fact. And today we're going to be talking about, which is probably prevalent for most of people, and this is going by a statement made by Democratic political consultant um, to Bill Clinton in 1992 when he coined the phrase, it's the economy stupid. And then 12 years prior, then-candidate Ronald Reagan used a famous phrase when he said, are you better off now than you were four years ago? So the question I like to pose to everybody, are you better off now? Are you feeling the effects of the economy? Or do you believe President Biden and his administration when he said the economy is doing really well, it's better than... It's the best economy we've ever had in a number of years. So do you agree with that? Or are you facing some economic challenges? Well, and I would have to maybe agree that maybe earlier podcast, I would say no. But now I'm kind of not in, I'm not in strife or anything like that. But I mean, there I, I, I'm starting to notice it, especially uh, during the summer here in Florida. My utility bill was pretty high. And... You know, I guess it ebbs and flows. Maybe like Correct. during the winter, it's going to be on the low side because depending on the weather situation. But, you know, I was just like, wow, that's a lot. And then there were a few things like I had a leak in uh, a water leak, uh, my sprinklers, and I was using my sprinklers not knowing it. And then all of a sudden I see this larger than a water bill should ever be. Mm-hmm. And normally when I would be like, oh, well, I can take care of all this now, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to space this out. Uh, also, living in Florida, our insurance is always going up you know, because there's a lot of false claims and stuff like that. Correct. So having uh, USAA as our insurance company, and now they're charging, not because of what I'm doing, but what other people are doing, which I really see as unfair, but, I mean, so it's kind of, I'm feeling a little bit of a, a crunch. No, I, I, I feel it, too. I mean, we're at different ends. Um, and, you know, my economic situation, I'm struggling to keep my head above water and gurgling at best. But my insurance went up. I'm thinking about maybe moving into a different car insurance. I just got to see how that plays out. But you look and I talk to people. 
you everybody's worried about what you just said is one thing mm-hmm. and you're doing all right but i've seen people have the utility costs have gone up i have a friend of mine in my church he's a business owner a small business owner his material costs have went up 150 percent i've talked to other people who've come into the business i work at and they're all facing the same thing but then you talk to people when i go to the gym they're worrying about rent they're having to share living space or at least uh, get a roommate others are having to get second jobs you go to the grocery store and i've got friends that have our um, single parents there was a gentleman that came into the store today his wife is pregnant and she's going to be delivering twins next uh, week and i mentioned there's still a shortage of baby formula even though it's not in the news i tell everybody go down the baby aisle Look at the baby formula. It's still a shortage. Diapers are more expensive. Can I like push in here for a second? Because sure, Chris, what was it, Chris? No, it was a Shadow Fox ninety. Yeah, Shadow Fox ninety says we are feeling the consequences of the previous president's actions. Uh, so no, but getting better. What do you say to that? I would defer to. Define what you mean by the previous administration's action. You got to look at two different periods. Prior to COVID, which shut down the economy, the economy was at 3.5 unemployment rate. The inflation was below 2%. I think it was like a 1.8. Energy prices, especially when it came to gas prices, were at, I think it was like $1.87, less than $2 a gallon. So I would define what he means by that, since Joe Biden has taken office, inflation has gone up every month all the way up until June. Then from June of last year till June of this year, inflation went down to a low of 3% for June, but then it went back up to 3.3 for um, July. We'll have to see next week on the 13th. I think it was like Thursday. It's either Wednesday or Thursday. I think it's Wednesday. Next week is when the CPI gets released to see where inflation is for August. But everybody's feeling that the, the shortages, the President Biden, and this is not coming from me, this is coming from Larry Summers, who was the Treasury Secretary for Bill Clinton and a senior economic advisor for Barack Obama, and Larry Ratner, senior economic advisor to President Obama, said Joe Biden spent when he shouldn't have spent. And everything he's done, he spent over $6 trillion of borrowed money that had a greatly effect on the economy, and especially with all the regulation and higher interest rates, that is curtailing economic growth. You are right, but I mean, also initially, uh, our previous president, he's the one that kind of initiated the relief when it came to, like, well, the COVID relief, so. Well, I'm not faulting that. I understand that. I mean, both that was a bipartisan issue, because I mean, what was a, any president, what were they gonna do when the economy all of a sudden we shut everybody down and we went from 3.5% unemployment and we shot up within a month or so to 14.8. So Mm -hmm. there was going to be relief that way. So money was spent, but then you got to remember when Joe Biden came into office, he, he really accelerated the spending. I mean, we've spent on this, the inflation reduction act, even Joe Biden himself admitted that really wasn't there to reduce inflation. It was more of a climate bill. So he's done everything to make life harder. Mm-hmm. And you guys are small business owners, and I've talked to a lot of small business. They can't get the capital they need. They get overregulated. Even Kevin O'Leary, an investment um, banker, said the same thing, that all the, the, the bills that were passed, including the CHIPS Act, went to corporate America 
which is 40% of the U.S. economy, but what about the 60% of small businesses? They didn't get the relief that the big guys got, and they're get, and it's getting harder and harder for them, but they haven't done anything to fix some of these core problems. So, so I mean... I I mean I just tell everybody just ask when you go to the restaurants ask a business owner have your costs gone up of course are you feeling this effect and I think you well you see it a lot too especially you know like uh, waitresses working more than like two jobs just to kind of support it's a little bit higher here in Tampa as well right oh. it is Florida has one of the higher inflation numbers not because anything any government policy did is because we're getting huge demand for services and homes and more uh, rental properties and for apartments because everybody's moving down here from New York, Pennsylvania, up in the Northeast. Now, I work at a, um, a law enforcement supply company, and that's what I see, more people coming down from the New York area. Yep. Uh, so Booster Gold uh, 2442 said, tell us how things would have been if Trump was in office, well, it, hindsight's twenty twenty. I can only speculate, but I think he would have gotten a handle on the supply chain disruption. And once they shut down the economy, one of the problems that really fueled inflation is people couldn't spend anything in two thousand twenty because there was no place to go. You couldn't go on vacation. You couldn't go to amusement parks. You couldn't go anywhere. So people had a lot of money, and the savings rate went up to a substantial level. So once the um, Joe Biden got elected, instead of realizing that and trying to fix the supply chain disruption, because a lot of our supply chains, and this crosses both Republican and Democratic administrations, we once they instituted the World Trade Organization, they allowed these companies like China to come in without doing things to make, instead of free trade, fair trade. And we shipped a lot of our supply chains to China's one. Like right now, most of our pharmaceuticals, including our generic medicines, come to China. So I think Trump understood that and was trying to fight back and putting tariffs on China. Now, some people say he didn't really succeed, but he had four years. And then, and the way China looks at things, they look at the long game. So they were um, looking at um, waiting this administration out, in which they did. And now Joe Biden gets in. So it's hard to say what he would have done differently, but I think he would have looked at the supply chain because he understood that being a business owner in, in the building trades that he was in. I also I also think that, you know, under the Trump administration, we also would have stayed energy independent. Well, um, yeah, we would have. We would we would have been. We wouldn't that have drained is, our coffee. We wouldn't have drained our supply, so our, our strategic supply. Reserves. Yep. And Russia would still be. Um, would not have. They would still have to be like selling us gas for like a like you know pennies on the dollar, uh, just to kind of relieve their. And then there wouldn't be any oil going, or Germany would have to figure out another way of getting oil, which well, the U.S. could be like, here you go. But see, there's two. There's a couple things what you just said. One, what Dre just said is, we would have been still energy independent. Two. Maybe Russia would not have invaded um, Ukraine because remember in 2017 or was it 2018, Russian mercenaries attacked U.S. forces in 17. Syria. 17. Okay, so Russian mercenaries on the Wagner Group attacked U.S. Uh, special forces in Ukraine. I mean, Ukraine, Syria, 
in the United States launched B 52s, stealth F 22 oh, drones. They up. tore them up. And that. And Putin couldn't say anything because he then he would have to admit that he had mercenaries in Syria. So mm-hmm. maybe they never would have gone into um, Ukraine. Ukraine. But yeah. during this period, um, Trump also said to the Europeans, don't get energy from Russia because you're going to be dependent on them and they could hold you hostage. He was going to sell them energy, natural gas, liquefied natural gas to the Europeans at fair market prices. And we... Energy goes on the global market, but also we can have a say in how that market is being manipulated or utilized when it comes to prices because we would have been putting oil, energy, we were the largest energy exporter. And we just, we let that go. And now under the Biden administration, the street, Strategic Petroleum Reserve is at its lowest level mm-hmm. since um, 1984. And it's kind of ironic when they were doing the um, COVID relief packages Trump wanted to fill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve up to its highest level, to, to a full capacity, when it was at $20 a barrel. Now we're at about $80, $85 a barrel. So remember, Biden said, we'll fill it at 70 Isn't it better to fill it at 20 But Chuck Schumer, the Senate majority leader at the time, pulled that package out, that segment out. <clears throat> so there's, there's where we're at right now. All right. And uh, of course you're feeling it, right? How are you are you feeling it? I'm always feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's it's my truck that I'm driving or, you know, the rent, you know, just keeps going up. I mean, you know, and I mean, we haven't seen a cool off it, yet. It's getting noticeable, but I think it is not going to go well for the uh, sitting president as they're going into another election cycle. And that's, and that's the economy is always what makes or break uh, an administration, whether Democrat or Republican, remember in 92, the economy was what took out uh, George H.W. Bush. It was the economy that one of the big reasons that Jimmy Carter lost in 1980 was because people weren't feeling better. They thought their America's better days were behind them. And Reagan came in with the message of optimism and he put a more free market approach instead of higher taxes, higher regulations. Mm-hmm. And we'll have to see where we go beyond what the candidate's going to be. But we're seeing more problems coming up because if small businesses can't get the loans and they can't meet, you know, get capital need to grow their business, they're either going to stay um, stagnant or they're going to have to keep capital coming in. They're going to have to do layoffs or they're going to have to slow down the growth of their business. And layoffs could be coming (laughs) so how out of touch is and uh, we talked earlier you were saying about the president but what about anybody in general especially maybe like starting from the media on up because you're looking at people that are paid a little bit more uh, including the radio show you're on this the gentleman that you you talk to twice a week he's probably making a little bit better living than most so it's difficult for him to say oh the economy's not that bad well see but the point but you know like up to the president who doesn't even know what he's getting at the time so how can they say oh the economy's doing great when it actually isn't well there's two parts to that is we got into a discussion today about you know joe biden understands what americans are going through and i said i would disagree with that joe president biden has been a senator 
since January of 1972. I was in second grade, and I bet you venture many of our listeners weren't even born yet when Joe Biden became a senator. So when you're a senator, you get a, a government paycheck, you get government, really good government benefits, and as a senator, everywhere you travel is free. You get really good health benefits for free. Mm-hmm. Everything is taken care of for you. And when you go to the other thing, when you talk about the media, it's just like, um, what was it? Um, uh, there was a columnist from the New York Times wrote a couple weeks ago when he talked about the elites are causing these problems because when he can't came into the media, he was, there was more people, more, um, those in the journalistic or their own, the media affiliates came from middle America. They came from, um, small towns and universities. Now it's all about the, the Ivy league colleges and universities. So I would beg to ask how many of these individuals go to, um, the supermarket, there was one Democratic political leader, and I can't wish I could remember his name. He was in New York, and I think it was also a columnist, too. I, another columnist said the same thing. He walked out of his house and said, I don't know what everybody's complaining about. Everything looks good to me. I don't see crime on the street like everybody's reporting, but maybe where he lives, mm-hmm. everything is fine. And even on Fox News, I remember last summer, I watched Fox and Friends before I go off to work. Yeah. A couple of the Fox... Um, you know, like Brian Kilmeade and Steve Ducey, and they were talking about how they had to pay this much money for gas, but they make well over millions of dollars a year. Yeah. So they can absorb the, the extra little cost, but how many of Americans go to the grocery stores can afford it? I go to the grocery stores, and there's certain things I got to, well, I got to can't buy this. Well, I hope that's an extra luxury I can't afford. So uh, Booster Gold... Who I've been going a little bit back and forth with on saying that the U.S. Uh, is energy dependent. Now we are, I mean energy independent. Or independent, in, yeah. Independent, yeah. Not no, not even like we. And really, can you just kind of maybe go into a little bit, explain why we're not en- energy we, independent? We've, we've ended a lot of our energy production. A lot of the um, energy companies can't get the loans and capital. They so need. energy independent would be the U.S. itself producing oil for the U.S. It's for the U.S. and we're not dependent on other countries. The problem is even like when they talk about why utility costs are so high, a lot of the utility companies act as a quasi semi government organization so if they want to raise uh, prices or if they want to do certain things they have to go through the government to get permission like um, an oversight board to get approval for that so a lot there was one a government affairs for tico which is an energy company here in tampa and i remember that i talked to the gentleman last fall and he said prior to covid he went to the tampa city council and one of the councilman members so are you going to end your natural gas plant and he goes, no, because that means you're not going to get energy. So they're forcing these energy companies or utilities companies to go wind and solar, but you cannot produce all your wind, all your energy from just wind and solar. Look at California as an example. Look at Europe, Germany, um, uh, Britain as an example. Even Australia all tried, and it was an utter failure. So this is some of the problems that we're going. And I know they keep pushing the electric vehicles, mm-hmm. but even Ford and your big three, Ford lost three, almost $4 billion on the electric vehicle market. And, and they the, want the shelf put- life on, a, on a, an electric car is not that good. Like no. Ray has 
A truck. What year is your truck? I have a 2008 Dodge Ram. 2008, and when he bought it, it almost was like how much? It was like uh, it was upwards of buying a new car. It's still and, worth a new, and it's, a new it, car. And the thing is, is that it, does, it maintains its resale value. It's burning diesel. It gets good gas mileage and stuff like that. Yet he has a shelf life. Uh, it's going to be, you know, it probably be have twenty years on it before he even considers maybe passing it off to another uh, onto another vehicle. Okay, that's the other issue that people are having right now. People are holding on to their vehicles. And like I said, I work at a law enforcement supply company, and we have a couple of dealerships around us. And sometimes these guys come in. So I asked them, how's the used car market? And they said it's terrible mm-hmm. because people can't afford the sticker shock. It's seven to. At some hot cases, 11% for interest rates on that new used car. You can't get used car because you can't afford the price. So a lot of the average cost of a used car for payment is about seven to $800. So you're forcing people to keep cars longer. New cars are, um, are about 20, on average, $29,000. And if you're forcing people to go to an electric vehicle, the average electric vehicle is $55,000. So people are just are having a difficult time making ends meet, and it's just it it all ripples down from here. But what are we looking at more is just more spending from the government. Interest rates are high, and here's something what most people don't know: when interest rates go up, the interest rates on the debt go up. So right now we're spending about five hundred billion dollars to service the debt. And it's and within a year or two, they said by 2025, interest rates on the debt will equal the the, the budget for the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. And right now, as the president said, I cut the deficit in half. Well, the Washington Post and also the Center for um, uh, Responsible Federal Budgets reported by this fiscal year, which ends in three weeks. The debt, the budget deficit is going to be twice as high, so we're going to be at two trillion dollars for the first time as a budget deficit in a non-recessionary, non-pandemic, non-conflict type environment. So even though the economy may be moving in some directions for some, all these higher interest rates make higher mortgage costs, higher car loans, credit card debt at its higher level, and people are using that to pay for needs that they most likely wouldn't have spent on. So these are the challenges people face. It's not as rosy as President Biden and the media make it, or even his administration. Well, they're, they've been kind of daft to the whole thing since they ever took office, is that they don't really know what's going on outside their their bubble. Well, I think, the, the, but the reason is, for this administration, it was a, almost... It was it was not it was just as bad under the, the Obama administration, but it's worse under this one. If you look who's running these key agencies, like whether it's Department of Transportation, whether it was Department of Labor, or Department of Treasury, they've all come from one one or two areas. They either come from academia or the government. There's very few people who have any substantial business experience. So they don't understand what it means to run a business, to run cap. Like Janet Yellen, she's very accomplished um, academic or even, an, excuse me, an economist because she ran the Federal Reserve as chairman. But she's never run a business. She's mm-hmm. never had to raise cap. You two have more business experience than she does because yeah. you're trying to start a business. You guys are talking about, without going into depth, 
trying to get a small business loan, trying to get looking at your finances so you can finance this. Thing. You understand all that. She doesn't because she's never had to do it. Mm-hmm. An academic, we need academics to look at trends in the economy, but we also need people who have practical business experience, who understands how to make, meet revenue, how to meet, raise capital, how to deal with employees, how to deal with currency devaluation, how to deal with international trade. And there's nobody in the Biden administration who's done that. Yeah, I, I feel like the Biden administration is just a free for all. I mean, we're, you know, in, in the industry, we're watching agencies create laws. I don't think we've ever seen that ever. And all of a sudden now, you know, we're fighting a new rule that doesn't even make sense, but they're trying to push forward. And by who, I mean, the ATF is trying to push forward that if you even make a private sale to, for a firearm, you, they want you to have an FFL. Well, here's the point. That you, <laughs> but here's the point that you mentioned as you started that statement. This president is the first president in U.S. history who has had more rulings ruled against him. Yep. Because he's violated the Constitution. And he knowingly violated, violated the Constitution. Yep. Like an example, when he did the, um, the uh, housing moratorium, his legal, scholar, his legal advisors and every one of them said, you don't have the legal authority to do that. He listened to the guy, I think his name is Lawrence Tribe, who said, yeah, you got it. He listened to one lawyer who said, you do it. And the Supreme Court ruled nine to zero against him, like the student loan debt. He wants to forgive five hundred billion dollars. Now he's doing like a student loan light, but it's still the same thing. You're going to forgive two hundred billion dollars. You're acquiescing the authority from Congress to the executive branch. His okay. immigration ruling. I have a question for you: Is the Democratic Party just out of touch with our country? It, on how it operates. I, I want to disagree. I don't think. I, well, if I, 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 well, you didn't say anything, but I, I, I don't think they are. I think they're just kind of playing into a certain type. Even though, even if they 100% disagree with it, they're kind of falling in line because they don't want to be ruled as an outcast because it could affect them during the election. I think it would go in by which it, when you take the Democratic Party, you got to take segments of the Democratic Party. Right now, the Demo- current Democratic Party is controlled by the progressive wing, the very ultra-liberal wing. They just want to jam everything through, like they want to abolish the Supreme Court, uh, you know, do, ter- not do term limits. They want to pack the court to get judges that will rule in their favor. So they're doing everything they can, and Joe Biden went along with it. The problem is the moderates of the Democratic Party either are silent or they've been um, uh, defeated at the, the ballot box by these progressive. And now you have constitutional scholars, like I know I reference this gentleman a lot, because he, he said he's a Democrat, was born and raised a Democrat, believed in liberal policies, but he said the Democratic Party is so anti-free speech, he doesn't recognize that party. He did a column today when he talked about how we need to silence others that disagree with what we believe. And that's a danger because we've seen with the Twitter files, Facebook files, we've seen social media get uh, working with the Democratic Party and including the Biden administration to silence 
critics that they don't agree with. So now Clay Lawson 260 says want to and doing is different. And I, and we're watching them actively it's try. It's not just wanting to do it. They're actually there's proof and evidence from the Twitter files, from the Facebook files. There was a federal judge on July 4th that admonished really rebuked the, Dem- the Joe Biden for his massive violation of the first amendment so it's there then you see uh, colleges across the country you see very few conservative or libertarians on their their um as professors and you're seeing more people attacking free speech because it disagreed with them and they want them silenced and removed look what happened with the two epidemiologists one from harvard university and one from um, Stanford University. They were silenced because all they dare uttered earlier in the pandemic that the coronavirus possibly could have come from a lab leak. Now we're seeing more evidence suggest that possibly could be it. Eisenhower's farewell address came in. Everybody can remember the um, the military industrial complex. I re- admonished everybody, go three paragraphs below, and he says, we need to embrace science. But be wary of the scientific elites who pursue a a vision to keep those government dollars flowing. Remember, Fauci met with two or three scientists who said it could possibly come from a lab leak. Next day, he said, nope, it's only these scientists said the same thing. Nope, it was only came in from an animal. Did Fauci, (laughs) well, did Fauci threaten them? Because he controlled billions of dollars in federal dollars. So we're seeing, I mean, think about how the pendulum only goes against conservatives, but nothing, it doesn't, it doesn't go the other direction. And free speech is a hallmark of the American constitutional system. Mm-hmm. And Democrats, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Whitehouse of Rhode Island, they all want to censor. They said they're not censoring enough. President Biden said that. Um, Jen Psaki, when she was the press secretary, she was admonished by that federal judge as one who was pushing censorship. Wouldn't that, wouldn't censorship fall under a sort of fascism? Well, that's just, I'm not even going to go that far, but it's just when you start to censor anybody, if you want, like if I say something, challenge me on my ideas, prove me wrong and base it off facts. But when you want to silence somebody because they disagree, look what they did with the um, Hunter Biden laptop story. We were told that was disinformation, that was false. So every news organization silenced what the New York Post had written. And then after the election, we come to find out that was true. And the FBI knew about it for well over a year. So do you believe in, do we want to go with like authoritative countries go like Russia, China, Iran? No, we have Is that America? We have amendments to save ourselves from that. I used to work at a <laughs> restaurant. We had a lot of Cubans, Cuban um, in, uh, immigrants from Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, they, uh, Ecuador. There was one guy from Ecuador. He said, I came to America because it was free. I don't want to go back to where my country is. This one um, Immigrant from Cuba said, I don't even, he was ticked. I don't understand you Americans. Hold on. Jeff Barantine said, the laptop had a chain of custody issue. Do you not understand that? 
Yes, I understand what a chain of custody is, but when the FBI had that laptop for well over a year and right before the election, 51 intelligence officers who were CIA directors, deputy CIA directors, national security, um, national intelligence directed, they all said it was disinformation. Without, in the letter, they said we didn't see it, but it had the hallmarks of disinformation. When the FBI knew for a year that laptop was authentic. So don't give me this crap about a chain of custody. All right, John, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? They can get a hold of me by going to ubaldireports at gmail.com. They can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and definitely TikTok. And if anybody wants to hang around for more to go live discussions, we'll be hanging on. Uh, we will. And then uh, I want to say something is that we can kind of carry the conversation a little bit longer. We don't have to be regulated to a half hour, but we want to kind of give our listeners some incentive about telling other people about this podcast to get more, get our numbers up because the more numbers we get, you know, we're going to be able to bring this to you longer, uh, maybe extend it to 45 minutes, if not an hour. And then once we hit that hour mark, we want to continue this on for maybe have you have another day or have several days where we can do this. Uh, and that just relies on the people listening right now is that, hey, get the word of mouth. Just if you like what you hear, tell other people about it because John gives a vast information of knowledge and it's true. Uh, his opinion might differ and it's very interesting as well. Uh, you can get Ray and I uh, at allamericangunslingers at gmail.com. We are in the process of... Building a range and possibly buying a range. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of hit us at once. Uh, so we are busy on that, but we're going to have some um, content for you with that being on TikTok, on Twitch, uh, YouTube, stuff like that. So you can follow us there as well. And John is also a supporter of that, and he will be on with us as well. Yeah. So uh, just check us out, and you can get John, uh, you know, whenever uh, you need. Yeah, and just keep following us every Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time until we can do this five days a week. So th thanks for listening. Thanks for the opinions, whether you agree or not. We like to listen to everybody, whether they agree with us or not. We just like everybody to be voiced for, to be heard and to take whatever they learn and move on with it. So till next time. Till next Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time, keep listening to Ubaldi Report.